Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod. I'm here live from Greystone Studios, a.k.a. my box room in Greystones. Marky B, Marky Baker's out there in Glenageary. How's it going, Mark? Yeah, good, good. I'm <clears throat> I'm in a warm box room. It, it's probably, I don't know what it reached today. I think it was 25 degrees today. It's my crazy. God. It's like like mm. like Spain out there. And uh, I was in Bray today doing a, a face-to-face meeting with a, with a, a partner. And it was uh, it was really cool. And the, the one of the guys is from America. And he's only ever been there a few times. And every time he comes here, it's like uh, Espana. So he's, uh, you know, he thinks it's like this all the time. He goes, I don't know what you guys are complaining about. And I go, come back to Bray in February. And uh, let's see. See how hard you are then. Um, no, but he's a great guy. Uh, so we've got uh, receipt uh, relay on the on the line. I said that because there's three of you guys here. We've got Joe, Sean, and Luke. Um, so let's start with Joe. Introduce yourself, uh, and then we'll go through the lads just so everyone gets a get a get a shout out. So hi guys, uh, I'm Joe Joe Hennigan. I'm a chief marketing officer here at uh, Receipt Relay. I also co-founded it with uh, Sean back in 2019. Since then, we've just been working consistently to bring it to uh, to the world. And um, yeah, I'll pass it on to Sean anyways. I don't want to hold the spotlight too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm obviously Sean. I co-founded this with Joe back in September 2019. And um, I'm studying electronic and computer engineering in NUIG. So I'm in third year now. And uh, I'll pass it on to Luke. Hi, I'm Luke Slemon. Uh, I am the CTO of the company, so the Brains. Uh, I work with uh, Sean and Joe for the last year and a half. Cool. And so the so receipt relay, if like if you had a, uh, a elevator pitch, how would you describe it to people? What's the what's what's the business there? So essentially, what we do is we provide a e-post or an e-receipt provision service to um, vendors in hospitality and retail. So the way Receipt Relay works is we integrate our software with the hardware you'd find, like the till systems at the checkout. Yeah. And then their consumers that come through can just, you know, tap their phone, pay whatever, scan a QR code, and they get their e-receipt directly to their phone. So instead of having to have a paper receipt printed every time, you get a eco-friendly digital alternative. It's It seems like a no-brainer. Do you like, like Mark Baker, what do you think? Is that some? Are you a receipt guy? I say oh, Mark's an accountant. I'd say he's got every receipt going back to his companion. What's going <laughs> on, Mark? Um, I actually have a load of receipts just sitting up there in front of me, um, but I'm not very good at remembering. I have them to kind of put them through the business and stuff like that. So I'm just, yeah, it just makes complete sense. <laughs> like you don't even have to sell this to me. I, it just makes complete sense. Um, I'm just surprised it's it's it wasn't done a long time ago. To be honest, it's such a weird thing. Like so, when you go into a, you know, whenever I spend like two or three hundred euro, yeah, you know, they're always the receipts. You're like, you know what? I'll keep that one, and then it goes into your wallet, and it becomes dust over time. Just like kind of mm. when it's in the wallet for yeah. so long. Keep those of... Power City ones. They're the kind of ones <laughs> yeah. that you keep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, they'll take anything back, Power City. I don't know if uh, you know. Shout out to those guys. They don't give you too much hassle bringing uh, their broken shit back, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty cool. But so when when people are, are doing this, when you're talking to 
potential customers are you guys going after the big fish to kind of get traction there because you've got time you're still in college you're you're still you know kind of working on the on the business or are you kind of trying to get traction with smaller places as a kind of a, a proof of concept first what's the what's the strategy there um i think we're just trying to get traction in general yeah. um but right now we're going for the big fish as much as we can just um try and get one person or one player with a lot of different vendors under their belt use their platform to gain a bit of traction and then from there maybe go for the individual vendors themselves directly okay. so for now that's that's the current strategy it's interesting so, yeah. so are you guys are going for so the, the partnerships that you're going to be making are actually with the epos pro- providers or yeah vendors. exactly yeah okay and how, how's the kind of feedback been from them so far when you re, when you have conversations with them uh, very positive um now starting off uh, not so positive um because when we started off we didn't even have an mvp so we were just demoing um an idea essentially nice demoing a slideshow i've been there it's tough <laughs> yeah right. um but i mean once you get your foot in the door um that's that's the hardest part over then you yeah. just need to keep your foot in the door um and open the door so um now we're now we're coming up to beta test where our software is actually going to be in a, a real location in the real world being used okay. by real people so it's it's progress <laughs> absolutely and so with the with the feedback you're going to get there is it going to be like a, like a volume game or is it guys like a small player that's going to be you know uh a, a soft opening if you if you call it that uh soft opening as much as we can um it's not really volume we're looking for we're not really testing for volume it's more so testing the software making sure it works um trying to get some feedback from from customers themselves see what the uh, the general reaction to it is and how the software itself behaves it's it's gonna stream i'm just i'm getting like uh ideas around the idea just having a chat with it like it's gonna one of the the biggest pain points in my life is when i when covid was uh uh, not in play as much it is as it is today. I used to travel a lot for work, and I used to really love uh, expensing things. That was kind of <clears> part of the part of the the fun for me going on these trips, um, and you know within reason. But you know I like to make sure that I can enjoy myself while I'm there. And a lot of people that are doing business travel, that's part of the perks of working somewhere. You know you can kind of you know you know enjoy yourself, and uh, it doesn't come out of your own pocket. When when I'm thinking about this, that's the that's the main time where I really kept a lot of receipts. So I'd have like 15 or 16. I'm taking pictures of them. I'm uploading them. Uh, you know, uh, the people in accounts are sending it back saying, we can't even read this. This is in German. I don't know what, you know, all that type of stuff. So I think there might be a play there to as well from a, a business expense point of view. Uh, have you talked to any of those vendors like Concur or any of those dudes? So we actually initially had planned it to be that, software itself so that was our main um customer base okay so we haven't gone to the likes of say conquer sap conquer or sage we haven't gone to them directly but we know that they provide public apis that like cool basically they have reams and reams of documentation that allow you to send information that hooks up with say say if we were say if we worked at intel and i go out i use receipt relay i pay and then for example say intel use sage sage accounts I could link my accountant's account to it, so she'll get a like a an electric notification of, oh, Luke just after spending twenty euro on a meal with a customer, we reimburse a tenner of that, and it's not just like ten euro, twenty euro in McSwiggins. It's like twenty euro, and then the items I bought, kind of thing. So it's it's really 
it's just gonna make life so much easier right i don't understand what the what the it's one of those ones where i'm like yeah i get it what i remember i had a had a business teacher who's uh really good when i was in secondary school and when someone would come up with an idea uh he would look really angry and go go get up and kind of make a big deal of going to the door and opening the door and say just get the feck out of here what are you doing here that's a great idea <laughs> There's nothing I can teach you, you know. Um, that's that's a, his take. He actually, I seen him the other day. He didn't recognize me. Um, so that, um, <laughs> that um, what you're saying there, Luke, with the about traveling was the original genesis of the idea. Kind of myself and Sean, we came attacked it from two different angles. So for myself, I took a year out between leaving certain college, and during that time, I was doing uh, roadworks, and I'd be working up and down the country from Donegal to Dingle, as I always say. So. During that time, we'd be staying in hotels and getting meals and eating lunch, but we'd obviously have to keep the receipts for reimbursement. So you have the equivalent of a 70 euro in your pocket yeah. and it's way more finicky, way more easy to lose. It's like, it's worse than having a, a child with you. Um, so yeah, so that's where I kind of attacked it from was surely there's a better way of being able to have all your receipts with you. And even if you did have, say, the likes of SAP, uh, SAP Conquer is basically you can get your receipt and you have to take a picture and you can send it off. In an ideal world, the moment that you get your receipt, you'll take a picture of it, send it off to your accountant. There's rainbows, there's sunny weather, but we're all human. So what end up, what ends up happening is you get back into the car, you put the receipt. Oh yeah, I know it's there. Then you get another receipt, you put that there. Then all of a sudden there's two or three, three or four. One goes under the seat and you've lost 20 quid. <laughs> and there. They're so strict about it as well. Like it's not like you know, you guys trust me. I'm not making it up. That's what I used to say. Like you know, and uh, but uh, I know. I think you know for t- you know, marks and account. What do they need for tax and stuff? Don't they? It's they're not just trying to be pricks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's important. It's important. But like the receipt in itself is probably one of the most old-fashioned things in the world right now. Like some of those, the the paper. You can barely read the thing, like so. It just makes complete sense from that point of view. But automatically, I did think I used SAP Concur, and I did think if it could uh, uh, integrate with that, like it would just make life so much better for everybody. Would, would if I were you, and I don't know if it is an issue, but I would automatically think if I start speaking to these guys, will they not rob my idea? You know, um, does it have to be patented? Patented, or what's the story there? Um, so it, it can be patented. Like currently we're, we're just operating under copyright for software. Um, we did at one stage try to go for a patent, but as students, obviously, uh, we're not too affluent in the bank. And so, how, much, uh, how much would it cost? Um, we were looking for a, uh, a patent attorney, a patent agent to help us file this patent. And when we were talking about it, it was going to initially cost us the 4,000 euros just to file it and then say it would be like maybe a three-year process over the three years we were looking at maybe 15 to eighteen thousand euros um which is a lot more than we were hoping for we were hoping somewhere between like maybe 500 and a thousand euro um so we uh we decided to file the patent ourselves um try a try our hand at you know legality for a week and uh file it and i'd say we broke a record for the fastest rejected patent application in ireland <laughs> Uh, rejected within 24 hours so um we we might go back to it at some stage but at the moment we're fairly confident in our software and the way we do things that um even if somebody was to replicate our software um they wouldn't really be able to replicate the way we're approaching the solution itself 
um, and definitely can't replicate like the way we work together. It's all, Mark, it's awesome. Oh. I, I think, am I getting some read right there? Sorry. Maybe I'm. Are you guys hear me okay? Yeah, yeah I can hear you fine. Okay, perfect. Um, I think also the, uh, you're thinking about this in a very kind of narrow way. I mean, software, there's, if you look at HubSpot, for example, it's a CRM. There's Salesforce, there's Pipedrive. There's, you can't, you can't patent someone oh, okay. you can steal that idea of crm all, all all day but it's about the kind of it's the secret sauce in the background that's the value valuable stuff you know yeah um so it's there could be and there is every every type of software you can think of there's uh, a million versions of that there's even somebody in brazil who has copied hubspot almost exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> but they're not they're, that's not a 30 billion dollar company do you like it away? Like it's it just yeah. It's it, it's not uh, it's not. I would worry about go to market way more before I'd worry about uh protecting like an idea, um it, like software. You can't really protect. You can protect it, but like they change a little bit. Yeah. You know, so that's it. When we were applying, even um, we were even told that you know this application is is good, but you know, technically speaking, it's not going to fully protect you. Like there's nothing stopping someone from just saying, well, I don't care and copying you anyways. Yeah. And then just dealing, dealing with the lawsuit afterwards. So like the biggest issue or the biggest reason you'd be protecting yourself with a patent is to protect yourself from the bigger fish in the game. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're going to have the resources and the legal teams to fight that, uh, that patent that you have already gotten. Yeah. So it, it didn't really make much sense in the end for us to go for one. And then I suppose with the, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, saying, I suppose with the bigger fish as well as like for them, how they probably see it is we'll just let like like Amazon or Google did it with that um it's like Pleo or like that break that company for like you could find out what stocks in different shops. They just let them develop it and went, Okay, we'll buy you now. Like it's yeah. that's the game. Like it's they'll basically the they'll make a calculation if it's like so once if you guys got sorry, when you guys get big enough for uh, for this to be interfering with other uh, kind of bigger fish, they'd make a calculation whether it's it would cost more to acquire you or just build it from scratch themselves and deploy it. All the overheads that would come with that, um, and maybe you know if they if it, that's not part of their core strategy, sure, why would they change direction for with this one thing when mm -hmm. you go just make the guys millionaires and they have the technology and the install base and all that good stuff. Yeah, Do you know, I like that idea. I prefer that actually. For, for you guys you know because yeah well get out quick. whichever idea whichever idea makes us millionaires so we'll go that one yeah let's just do that that sounds like fun um, lads so at this stage like what is it what's the most important thing you guys you know need right now is it do you have a like a mentor who's been there and done it before do you want to go through the ndrc type of thing like what is it do you need capital what's what's next in line to kind of get you to the next level well we have um I suppose what you could call an advisory board just made up of mentors, people that have, um, that have way more experience than us in the industry who have been helping us through it, walking us through it, like from lecturers in NUIG to just, um, you know, private business people in general who, you know, have liked our idea, have liked us enough to uh, sit down with us, talk and give us a bit of guidance and advice. And, um, then going on to say NDRC, we did apply for NDRC, um, not too much avail, but we did apply then to New Frontiers program with GMIT, um, which is another accelerator program. So we've done phase one and now we're going, well, hopefully we'll be going into phase two. We have to do a pitch um, on September 16th, I think it is. 
Uh, so we have to file a pitch deck for that on this Friday. So that that will get us some funding if we get in. So hopefully that goes well for us. Which would brilliant. It's interesting. I think maybe it's it's maybe it shouldn't be such a uh, a capital intensive business if you're, if the kind of route to market is through partnering with people that already are established. So maybe you don't have to go from scratch there. You know. Yeah, um, I think once you have a mentor, you save yourself a lot of money. Um, just because you, you get that advice and you get that that insight that would otherwise probably cost you a lot of time and resource and trial and error. Like and it that type of thing never it never goes away. I was talking to I was telling Mark before the podcast, I was talking to somebody today who uh has been very very successful, sold a few businesses and I was we're we're chatting and I think I learned more in thirty minutes at lunch that I've you know, I learned in four years at, at HubSpot. Do that kind of way like because it was like really uh, it was kind of really eye-opening about how they see the business and all that good stuff. So, like that, I think you could be, you know, on your third iteration of a or your third business and still need, um, you know, it's always helpful to have people that have been there and done it before. You know, so that's cool. Um, so, that's, when, uh, sorry, I was just gonna just jump in on that as well because I suppose the fact that there's three of us and you know we have a few mentors, a lot of the time they advise us just to throw ourselves at the problem rather than money. You know, if you got a huge round of investment, every problem is just, oh, we'll throw a bit more money at it, a bit more money until the bank, you know, runs out. Whereas at least with the three of us, you know, we always try and attack the problem from different angles. You know, we try and throw as many skills or learn as many skills, read books, read articles, reach out to people, try and find advice. And then at the very end of that, if we can't do anything with the problem, then maybe we might put some money into it. But again, we won't throw money at the problem. We'll throw ourselves first. And I think that that's such a valuable thing that's been taught to us by the mentors that uh, we have around us. It's so great that you've started so early as well. Um, So you've plenty of trial and error, plenty of time to trial and error as you go. Out of interest, what's what's the kind of feedback you get or kind of opinions from people to do with how young you guys are, you know, um, does that ever come up? Do you think do you think you're not taking it seriously? Do people think it's great? What's the general kind of feedback? I think there's a bit of a um, kind of a misunderstanding of uh, of what people would think about, you know, young young people trying to make an impression in any industry. Um, like when we were going in, anyone that wasn't in the industry would be telling us, you know, oh, like you're going to be taken advantage of or people are going to see you as naive or inexperienced coming in here so young but any feedback we've gotten from people or anyone we've spoken to you know doesn't matter how old they're being extraordinarily positive towards us and like really receptive of, of what we're trying to do and um respectful about it as well they try to help us out so i think uh if somebody has inhibitions based around those opinions they should just drop them and go for it good thanks great i'm getting reverb guys Hold on. So, uh, what times is eighteen minutes? I'll edit this out. But I keep on getting reverb. Maybe because there's so many people on. Okay, gone now. Anyway, okay. Um, so, like I was saying, I think, uh, Mark, I think you'd be surprised as well. Like, whenever uh, people are, you know, putting themselves out there, people like really kind of appreciate that. Like we were talking to uh, Norman Crowley. If you haven't heard our podcast with him, um, he's a, a real, a real kind of Elon Musk style Irish entrepreneur. Um, I think he sold businesses for seven hundred and fifty million altogether. Um, he's putting electric engines and Ferraris up here in the in the mountains in Wicklow. No one knows why, but he's doing it, and he fucking he means business when he's you know he's uh, he's yeah. also very big on ESG sustainability. Yeah, um, this whole 
I'm, I would imagine if if he hasn't heard of of the business, he would be impressed with if he if he heard of it. But his, because he meant the paper, it meant the trees. You're gonna save exactly. But w- what he was saying is like, if you've got an idea, uh, if you put your hand up and you're really serious about it and say, okay, this is what we're doing, this is what we're trying to do. Um, he said it's like magic. People just come along and uh, you know say that sounds like interesting. I'd like to help you out on that. And he kind of. And I, I, he didn't go as far as kind of the secret kind of uh, you know weirdness, but he had a little bit of kind of like I. So this guy owned uh, casinos all over Laos and Vietnam and stuff, and he had the I think so. What was the mark? Eighty percent of the slot machines in the UK at one stage. Like he was, he was just like writing, writing it uh, his future in his mind. And then it just happened. You know, uh, the guy different the guy, industries as well. His first his first really job impressive. was a welder. And now he's like, now he is, uh, the company that he runs here in the Wicklow Mountains is a 200 million a year revenue business, a tiny, uh, uh, you know, uh, employee base, but they manage all of the, uh, energy for the biggest, uh, for the biggest, uh, biggest like buildings in the world. And he has all, he's just, you know, a really t- top guy to think about. So maybe reach out to him and see if, uh, he'll have a look at this. I know. <laughs> um, but like. It's it's an interesting one. So when you go to what one of the things that I was wondering was if you go to the EPOS people, is it built into the EPOS systems or is there any kind of widget or something that you have to add to the EPOS systems to get the VR code? Do you kind of way like from an actual fulfillment point of view, do you guys have to provide any hardware? Or is that not your not your game? No, it's all entirely software. So what we have is um we have a a publicly, uh, no, well, not publicly, but an accessible API that, um, so instead of say routing the, the, it could be a JSON message or whatever kind of message it is, instead of routing that to the printer and the printer's going to go, cool, we'll print the shop name and everything. Instead, it'll send that to us. So then what we can do is we can then use that to create a digital representation of what someone could be uh, viewing on a piece of paper instead. So it's just like, it's just that intercept there. Okay. That uh, they will then have to themselves would have to program an integration with the API we provide, but uh, there's no extra hardware or anything. That's I think that's that was the one thing when I thought about this that that might be just a a real extra layer of complexity, you know. Um, And what's the what's the actual business model? Is there like a a per receipt uh, charge you guys would make? Is it uh, something to do with a, a credit card payments taking a, a slice of that how does the how do you guys uh, make money from this so um starting off we're just going to charge our monthly subscription to the vendors themselves so um, for hospitality and retail there'll be two different going rates yeah. um for retail 24.99 a month for hospitality 29.99 a month the reason there's a step up there in the in the difference of pricing is because hospitality requires a little more complexity in the software say for dropping and collecting bills from a table and you know instead of having those bills printed out, somehow managing to do that through a software-based solution. So, um, you know, it required a, a bit of brain power behind it. So I think it's, it's only fair that Luke gets rewarded um, for coming up with a solution to it. Um, but yeah, we're going to charge just a, a standard monthly rate and uh, go from there, see, see how things go, see um, how it's received in the industry. And if you have that recurring revenue, that's a... Uh... The, the multiple that you can sell the business for is so much more. It's it's what everyone's looking for. Even uh, companies that I talk to um, in HubSpot that we're you know s- selling HubSpot to, if they're in a industry where typically it's a kind of a one stop uh, one stop shop, they're 
racking their brains trying to come up with uh, a, a way of charging people every month or quarter or year or whatever. It's just such a, a, a such a scalable thing, and it's worth so much if you can get that right. And also twenty four ninety nine, like how much does it cost? It's one of those stupid costs in retail, I'd say, uh, for the the paper, the ink, all that type of stuff. You know. Like yeah, guys- it's it's an unnecessary cost. Like I I work in a shop in in Galway, and eighty uh, percent of all paper based receipts that are printed go straight from the printer to the bin. So you're spending whatever amount of euros on that per month on those um, receipt rolls, and then for eighty percent of them to go in the bin, you might as well be throwing fibers in the bin yourself. Um, so when you can provide a, a software-based solution like this, where you're not only going to be saving money, but reducing the carbon footprint of your business and the carbon footprint of your customers, um, like it seems a, a no-brainer. A no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then costs, oh, sorry, sorry, Luke. Um, those costs scale up as well, because literally just today I was reading an article about um, University of Massachusetts and every day they print off 10,000 receipts among all the shops and students and per year that costs them 60 grand and you know if you were to pull how many students out of the crowd then and say hey did you keep the receipt like i'd say as sean said 80 percent 90 percent aren't going to still have it so you know that's 60k out of anyone's pocket isn't isn't nice yeah and you know if you want to if you want to steal uh, Norman's idea uh, of how he does businesses, he he'll go into a company and he'll pitch his software. And if they say no, we can't afford that, he'll say, "Okay, I'll I'll uh, take whatever eighty percent of the savings. You guys keep twenty, I'll keep eighty. You know, <laughs> and you can sell it like that as well. So it won't cost you anything. We'll just take whatever you would would have paid. You know, um, but uh, the guys, he's got a few ideas up his sleeve. But I think the I don't know. Mark, what, what do you want? You want to play devil's advocate there. What, what, where do you see them? Where is, is there anywhere, anything that you'd be concerned about before you become an well, investor? You want me to pick apart uh, the guy's business? <laughs> <laughs> if you can. Uh, the excitement. Well, yeah. Luke is like, yeah, loads of guests this way. Um, <laughs> I, I was actually thinking of something. Um, you find a lot of shops now will ask, do you want your receipt over email? And that's a ploy to get your email. Yeah. Have you thought how that factors into it? Uh, that kind of always that need from a, a retailer just to get that bit of information. Yeah. So that was kind of one of the first things we were thinking about when we decided to go for e-receipts. Um, when people were asking questions like, well, you know, these shops already offer e-receipts. What's different about your model? Well, first of all, you're not going to have to stand in a queue for, you know, 60, 90 seconds calling out your email address letter by letter and then only for them to get it wrong. And then you have to call it out again. And then as soon as you get your e-receipt, you're thinking, all right, brilliant, I have my e-receipt, now I can head home. Then you get home and you've got five promotional emails there about something that's 80% off next week. And then that just keeps coming and coming until you inevitably block them or just you know, unsubscribe. So with our system, it doesn't require any email address. You just scan that QR code and then you get your e-receipt. And even if you don't have the Receipt Relay app downloaded on your phone, you can still scan that QR code and get your e-receipt. So the app is, you know, it's fully accessible to to every single consumer in Ireland or anywhere that a receipt relay is integrated. So that was that was a really important step for us in the uh, in the overall business model itself that everybody could get an e-receipt, that there'd be no personal information given away. And do you think that kick kickback from the uh, the actual shops themselves saying, saying, actually, I want this email. I don't, I don't think so. Um, any feedback we've gotten so far has been positive because 
the vendors themselves, they don't want queues. No vendor in retail or hospitality wants a queue going out the door. It's a it's a bad sign of your the way your business is run. It means that you're slow and it gives the the uh, the customer themselves a bad taste in the mouth when shopping where where you're located. So if we can speed up that entire process, which we can, you, all you have to do is scan it and you're gone. Have your receipt. Um, I think they'll be willing to sacrifice the, the personal information. Yeah. Well, yeah. Make sure yeah. you can do something about Krispy Kreme in uh, Blanchard, Sam, because I waited about a half an hour the other day for in the queue in the in the, in the car park for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll email them in the morning. So get them on, uh, get them on receipt re- uh, relay for sure. Um, so guys, like we usually we 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 wrap up with a a couple of lightning uh, questions, but I think this time it's going to be a little bit different. Mark, what do you? Is there any of those questions on your on your list that kind of apply to the where the guys are at? Um. Put me on the spot here now. Hold Putting on. you on the spot. Is there any? So when you guys are are. No, I'd like to. I'd like to hear from the the young entrepreneurs about you know what they're what they're interested in. So, yeah. lads, feel free to maybe we'll do it in order of Luke, Joe, and Sean to answer these questions. Um, what apps do you use the most? Start with Luke. The most, um, probably Instagram. I've started a. Since Christmas, I've started doing like a cooking page. So I do like um, just like I'm not I'm not a trained chef. It's just like home stuff, COVID, whatever. Got bored and just started like tracking all my recipes, be from like pizzas to soups, curries, anything. Like I made homemade pasta once, didn't go well, but it's documented up there. Um, <laughs> nice, just a bit of fun. Like uh, yeah, so that probably be the the main app I'd use. Yep, definitely YouTube. Uh, I just any bit of information i just oh youtube algorithm just has me by the hooks like i just it knows what i want to learn next especially you know doing engineering uh like it'll just suggest me engineering videos over and over and then marketing videos and then art videos and then you know just knows me but uh yeah i just love learning so definitely youtube i'd say it's a fine line between instagram and spotify spotify nice and you listen to music or just uh kind of podcast and stuff a bit of both it kind of it kind of depends on the mood i'm in and where i'm going if i'm on the way to work i'm going to be listening to music if i'm on a bus or a train you listen to a podcast very good i'm surprised i didn't nobody said tinder and there's nobody on tinder anymore yeah. now that lockdown killed it mark what do you think <laughs> um okay if you could do business anywhere in the world where would it be luke anywhere in the world uh as in with the seat relay yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, like as as Sean was saying there about uh, MIT, like getting into the US market would probably be huge just because like, I suppose, I'm not really sure why. I just think like, I suppose every single startup has the dream of just wanting to be in the US, being, being able to access Silicon Valley somehow. It's just that gold mine of we want to be there in the center of everything great about tech. So I suppose like doing business in the US would be like a route to get to there. Well, a, a lot of a lot of uh, US, a lot of multinationals are actually in Ireland. So I'm sure that if you if you kind of got into certain companies that are based in Ireland, you know, they'd have operations globally as well. So it, it could spring springboard quite easily from Ireland anyway. Um, sorry, uh, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for seeing my answer there, Luke. Uh, definitely us <laughs> as well um i suppose i don't know i think especially being european and being irish like we have these kind of rose tinted glasses of uh 
you know, Silicon Valley. And it just seems like you'd be walking down the street and a chance encounter, you'll meet a venture capitalist on his way to work and you'd have the elevator pitch, that kind of dream. But I, th- I, think-, I think that actually happened, uh, Eric, did it, of uh, uh, Eric and Dara? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. More than likely. Yeah. More than likely. <laughs> the, the US has always been a, you know, and there's so many advantages of, of selling to the US. I was talking to a company as well, and they were saying that uh, they, you know, they they're an Irish based SaaS company and they are doing un- unbelievably well, um, and they're real under the radar. Not many people know about them, um, but they have their sales people come in really late in the day because they only sell to America. And I said, why would you do that? And he goes, one, it's a big, um, it's the bigger market, and two, they uh, you don't have to charge VAT uh, in America, so everything's twenty percent off the price. And their their competitors in America are having to pay uh, some taxes that they don't have to, so it's a competitive advantage selling to America, Mark. You know. Okay, interesting. It's kind of like and Sean, you, you'd be in agreement with that, would you, America? Yeah, like I want to say Ireland, um, but at the end of the day, Ireland, there's not a huge market. Like if you look at the Irish market for Z Relay, it's at about maybe 18 million. And then for the US market, it's like 640 million. So there's like, there's no comparison. But what about the UK? UK would be about, I think, 100 and, looks like I have it down here somewhere, 165 million about that. Guys, I think the Nord. So I worked in the Nordics for a few years in HubSpot. I think they would eat this up. They loved all that type of stuff. This is something that they would be like, yeah, they'd love it. And uh, also, you can go public there as an Irish company. Um, and that we had a, another startup, a Collect, that I, um, they like a recycling business, and they just went over there and raised money on their stock exchange. It's a Nasdaq backed one. Who knows about this stuff, Mark? I like we do the podcast so we can kind of. Uh, find out stuff and kind of spread the spread the knowledge but like these guys they only started a few years ago mark and they are public in sweden and they're they're doing fab yeah i think they raised a million overnight there and they were a really small uh business so you know um it's more okay than ryan air flights like to sweden <laughs> yeah they're actually you have to go sas it's uh expensive oh <laughs> yeah that's, i used lovely. to concur all mine but anyway mark okay um here's a kind of a, a big thinking one how much money is enough money for you, Luke? Um, as in, like, when is that? I'll be like, oh, I'm buying out. Bye, guys. Taking my twenty percent. Well, um, no, no, not of not necessarily of the company. No, no, I don't. You don't have to say that now. Just in general, you know. He was about to say it there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Google listening. I don't want to spill um, at the back just yet. I don't know. Like, I think, uh, I suppose my my main thing isn't as much the money like i've never actually thought about the money my main thing is like i just i'd love to a say you're in holidays in spain or something someone's like oh can i get my receipt and the receipt relay i just think that'd be kind of cool and then also just the say like if it was you saw a thing on the news it was like oh you know receipt consumption down or like down because of this company i just think it's like to a certain degree it's less the money less the kind of like the 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 egoness of yeah we did that <laughs> yeah the impact i suppose the impact yeah 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 joe um i don't know i suppose i just 100 million money to live comfortably i think like you know obviously it plateaus you know you can get you know crying in your lamborghini is still crying like but um i think living comfortably you know having enough money that you don't you know you know that you don't need your next paycheck to um you know, to say send your kid to school or have a nice house or have a nice car, nothing extravagant, mm-hmm. just a good quality of life. And then, you know, be able to give back as well. You know, when you see 
you know, you're driving through uh, villages on your way to work or wherever you're going and you see like that they're trying to raise money for a playground. I think it'd just be so nice to be able to be dr- driving through the town, just be able to write a check and just, you know, buy the playground or up, uh, upgrade the pitch or that kind of thing, you know, give back in kind of a very local way. You know, you know exactly where your money's going. So I think... Uh, You'd be like Pablo Escobar. Didn't he used to do that? You could kind of <laughs> spread it around that way. You know, that's good. Yeah. For, uh, legal, for legal reasons, I'm not like Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Sean, I see you're using the calculator there. What's, what's your... No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm very much. Back at the cocktail yeah. match or, uh, you know... No, so I think it'll be more so the effect, like seeing how receipt relay impacts, um, not like to be too big headed, but the world itself, like see what the impact could be. And even if somebody did, like we were on about earlier on, like emulate what we're doing and essentially steal the idea and somehow manage to completely outsmart us all, um, I take that as such a compliment. Like that the idea was actually that worth pursuing and that worth um, going after to make a difference that uh, somebody went to the effort of it. Um, so at least then you could say like, you know, that was, that was me who did that. But at the same time, like what Joe was saying, enough money to live comfortably, you know, to know that like your family and, you know, the future generations of your family are going to be, are going to be grand. Nice. Let's go for that generational wealth. Luke. Generational wealth. We talked to a guy, uh, he was actually from New York. He, he reached out, he wanted to come on the shark pot and um, he, he, he's, He's an inventor, but that's a, he kept talking about uh, generational wealth. And when we asked him how much money he he uh, he he, he needed, uh, he said he wants he he wants someday in the future for his um, his ancestors to be living in a like a big palatial mansion and a, 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 like a picture of him on the wall. And they don't really know what he did to get the money to that type of rich, where it's kind yeah, of we've dream. always been rich, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And they raise a glass to him once a year. He had this all of <laughs> what a real vision, a real yeah. vision. Yeah. So Mark, you, that, he's going to the paint. <laughs> Sorry, what'd you say, Joe? All I was going to say was, when are you going to start the painting of Luke? No, <laughs> the inventor. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can when he gets his phone drone uh, up and running. That's what it is. It's a phone that follows you around as a drone that doesn't make loads of noise and uh, like a oh, selfie, cool. like an advanced selfie stick. Oh, it's it's great. So it's good. a great looking product. He just he just has to get it made. <laughs> yeah, it's um, thank you. Okay, we might finish up with this one. Okay, um, okay. What's what's kind of one big learning or skill or something you've learned um, over the last few years from from the mentors that you spoke about, or even just from business um, from doing what you're doing, Luke? Um, I guess I. Uh... I guess first to kind of go with your gut and certain things uh, is definitely something that like, say, you know, if you're in college and you're like, Oh, they, in college, there is a certain degree, right and wrong answers. So if you kind of go with your gut and they're like, well, no, that's not correct. Whereas like now in the open world, we're doing something that hasn't been done before. It's kind of the idea of like, um, say if you're suggesting something to one of the partners and going like, they might like this and I'll just say what's going to make them happy. But then afterwards, it's like, they, they, they suggest what I was about to suggest. They go, I should have just said that in the first place instead of this three week workaround of, oh, we finally got to where I, to what I was thinking of or something like that. So I just suppose go with your gut initially and um, jump first, think last. Like that probably doesn't work in some circumstances, but I suppose with development and uh, projects, like it does, like say, instead of sitting there going, I could do this and that'll take 20 minutes, or I could just stare at this blankly and keep thinking about why is this, it isn't working, just do it first um and like that has been huge like just between the back end and the front end just 
going throw throwing a solution at it randomly and going, yeah, something stuck at work. <laughs> it worked. That's nice. it. That's that's it. That's trial and error. That's evolution. Yeah, no, great answer. Joe? I think definitely just, um, I suppose, being aggressive with how much you keep your company. Um, I was talking to somebody before and they were saying to me that I was just basically asking, this is early days and they're asking, you know, when should we go for funding? And he said, well, what have you done? And at that stage, we had the MVP got, we just had the idea concept and we were developing it. And he said, well, don't go for funding now because think about it. It's like having chips at a poker table. You know, you have so few chips and, you know, uh, investors have money. So they have all the chips that you want. But if they're going to give you all their chips, they're going to try and take as much out of your company as possible, which is only fair because, you know, if you have not a, if you don't have a product and they're giving you, you know, a hundred grand, say, they want to control as much of that a hundred grand as possible because it's more risky. So I suppose for us anyways, it's just, you know, trying to get and do as much as we can without money. I suppose it ties into the point that I was making earlier on, not throwing money at the problem. You know, as you know, Luke is working amazingly, you know, like he's got the back end and the front end working. That didn't take throwing money at it. It just took, you know, um, trial and error Hours. and using our own skills and diversifying. So um, I think that that's such a big thing. You know, if somebody's thinking about starting up a company, don't think about how much money it'd take. Think about what you can do to just get it off the ground or at least one step further. And then that means that when you're sitting at that table with the investors, you have one more chip on your side. Very good. Sean? Um, I think the biggest lesson we've learned so far personally is take risks just because like nobody cares. Like if it goes wrong, nobody cares. If it goes right, nobody cares. So like there's absolutely no disadvantage to you, you know, putting your neck on the line um, because, you know, at the end of the day, if it goes wrong, nobody's going to remember in five or six years time. But if it goes right, you know, they could remember for, you know, another two or three generations. So it's definitely worth your while taking a risk. It's a great attitude. I think that really shouldn't go away. Like as you get older and it's, it's hard to, so, you know, you guys are a lot younger than us, but it only took it. By the time I got to 30, I realized how long the game was. I don't know. I know that sounds crazy. Like we were talking to a guy who has a, a 20 million euro business here in, uh, in Dublin and it's a, like a manager's managing management services business, uh, for it. Um, and he was, I don't know how old Kevin is Mark, but he was him and his brother started the business about 10 years ago and he has a 20 year vision for the company. And it, he was just blowing our mind by saying what you can do in 20 years. He goes, if I just, add 20% to my uh to the revenue every year that's like a two billion dollar business we're like what and he goes no one thinks in 20 years and you guys got four 20 years is before you have to <laughs> you know cry in your lamborghini because you're fucking yeah, fucking walk. But yeah. Like, yeah. rather uh, rather cry in my lamborghini than cry in my toyota corolla so absolutely go for it and on that note uh we'll, we'll wrap it up guys thanks very much for joining us on the shark pod today really interesting obviously it's very interesting for us i think that it's going to make a big difference and hopefully uh, things will uh, you know, work out sooner rather than later you never have to go to college you won't have to be, go to your graduation so just get going i like it thanks right. very much thanks for having us on all right guys, you guys. Chat soon. thanks lad. see you later